Welcome to the Lee Sloan Podcast. I believe that ideas and conversations have consequences, consequences that impact generations to come. Thanks for joining me today. Together, let's be brave enough to think, brave enough to feel, brave enough to change the world, one brave conversation at a time. Well, welcome back to the Lee Sloan Podcast. Today, we're ready to dive into part two of our men's panel discussion. It's this super fun discussion. And this week, we get to discuss the brave issue of pornography. The whole thing about it's it's because of, I think, our porn culture, for one thing. And we don't talk about pornography in the church, but yeah. statistically, men in the church are actively engaging yeah, in pornography. Yeah, was it 80%? It's, uh, yeah, 88 but. I think I saw 86% one time. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. So, and especially in Alaska, actually. It's one mm-hmm. of the porn capitals of the <laughs> U.S. So, I, didn't know that. I mean, so, you know, you think about that. If you're, if you're viewing that or if you're seeing women in that light, you are dehumanizing them. And that's right. what we talked about with the ladies, you know. And so it's no wonder mm. we can't figure out how to relate to them as humans. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if any of you guys have had um, some some things you want to share about that from your life or even just from people you've known. Um, what's it like on the other side for as a man for this porn issue? Um, so growing up, I really didn't even know it, it existed. My dad was very keen on like, <laughs> <laughs> I hope but, my son's right there with you. There you go. Um, I, I started to realize like what computer age, like when we finally got a computer and whatnot, um, my dad was very close and like, mm-hmm. uh, like with mm-hmm. watching what we're looking mm-hmm. at and whatnot. And my, it started when uh, went to school. It was like ninth grade, and my friends are all talking about jacking off, etc. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "What is that?" You know? And they're like, "What? What are you, are you kidding me? You know? Mm-hmm. And you haven't like I've been doing it since like seventh grade." And I was like, "But that's you doing that to yourself." But I had this like okay, I'm going to do that to myself, and I think I'm supposed to do that with a woman. So um, that was the thing in my mind. But then I did try it when I was 19, and I tried it for about a year, and the breakthrough that I had was I was in the act, and then I had this picture of my sister, like, trans, like, like, trans, like, like, on this person. I, I was so disgusted. I just stopped, and I was like, literally, in my mind, I'm like, Lord, what is this? that's your sister and yeah. you are and yeah. I was like I literally almost vomited and wow. from that moment on I like stayed away from it wow. and yeah when you see your sisters and whatnot on that mm-hmm. and that's truly how the Lord sees it you are seeing your sister in that light so there's yeah. no way you can actually see that as a person I mean like when when you're engaging in that that's not you're not oh, seeing yeah. that as absolutely. <laughs> it's an object. It, it, it's Correct. total objectification. Yeah. yeah. But we have an objectification culture too. Mm-hmm. The secular culture mm-hmm. right now says that well, that that is a person. That's how a person should be approached mm-hmm. because it's hookup culture. Mm-hmm. I, I don't yeah. see those two as disconnected. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you were saying, there's that moment where you go, it clicks, and you think, oh my, and then you either go, I got to cut this out, or you know. I got to go to my pastor. Mm-hmm. I don't mind saying for myself, yeah. that was a moment of going, hey, uh, we need to have coffee. We need yeah. to talk. And right. that moment of going, it, it suddenly becomes something that's been okay because of sort of culture. Okay, culture. What society mm-hmm. has said is okay. Going, well, this isn't my culture anymore. Right. right. This isn't mm-hmm. my world anymore. And mm-hmm. that, 
I think the most dangerous thing about it is, well, A, it creeps in. It mm-hmm. sneaks it in. Is. Right. Yep. But you were talking about maintaining purity and in interaction, mm-hmm. you know. You can look, I think you can look a beautiful woman in the eye if your mind's not poisoned. Right. I think if yeah. you're if you're not seeing, and it's, there's shame yeah. in there that's hard to do. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, and you you don't want to risk seeing anything quote unquote superimposed mm-hmm. on your Thank world. You superimposed. Yeah. That's exactly. But you also don't want anyone to see you worrying. <laughs> that oh, you're, yeah. If that makes sense. So there's shame it's there. A lot of a lot of anxiety there. I would say yeah. it, there's a culture in the church, like especially with leadership. If you're doing that, why are you even leading? Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because um, there's a lot of shortcomings in men and mm-hmm. when a man is struggling yeah. especially in a culture where it's like yeah. whoa yeah. you are what you know yeah. looked down upon it's like why would I even share that I'm struggling right. I'm going to struggle right. by myself and then you're, right. you're deeper yeah. and deeper and deeper and deeper and I mean when it when, when Jesus says okay if you look at a woman with lust in your heart what does that really mean I mean there are images that come up and your mind is going to react to that Mm-hmm. Does that mean it's sin? I mean, it, mm-hmm. in my mind, I look at that and I go, you know, it doesn't it mean to covet, like, or to covet a woman, like, to what? actually engage in wanting? I, I would think that there's a di- distinct difference between what your body says, mm-hmm. first mm-hmm. off, and, and, so, and rejecting you know, that. Yeah. I, would, I would say that if you're dwelling on it, you know, if mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. thought comes up and you dwell on it, then, that, then it becomes sin. Mm-hmm. It says to take every take thought, thought captive. Mm-hmm. That's exactly. And so when that thought comes up, you, you, right. know, you take it captive but, and you don't dwell but on it. But the guilt anymore. comes immediately sometimes, mm-hmm. even because your body's just reacting to it. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. and I think that can cause more shame than necessary. And then men just give into it because they're like, mm-hmm. well, I can't, I, you know, can't mm-hmm. stop this. Well, I, I think what Ben was saying about taking every thought captive, it, it's part of that w- sanctification is a walk, and victory is not something we achieve, it's something we walk in. Yeah. So you were talking about leaders, because you, you, know, you would never go into a, a, a doctor's office where he's visibly struggling with, like, you man, you got to take care of those smallpox before you treat my cold. <laughs> if yeah. someone has to be yeah. able to say, I'm walking in victory in mm-hmm. this in this way before I can I can lead you. and Right. So they, they've learned, essentially, to slowly walk in victory. It's about returning to the cross maybe quicker and quicker each time. Yeah. And and the more sensitized you get to, to, I think, God's voice in your heart, and the quicker you return to the cross, also the more sensitized you get to that. So mm-hmm. a thought that used to be, you know, the way on one end of the spectrum... Mm-hmm. That's just abhorrent to you now, and right. anything that even reminds you of the way you used to think, like I got, yeah, right. I got, I got to straighten that out. Right. Yeah, and um, the, you know, in Romans it says, "Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind." Mm-hmm. Right. And that renewing of your mind takes time. And mm-hmm. so, one way that I did that, basically, you have to have a strategy, and you have to put implement it into your life. You can't just be like. Gosh, I did it again. I won't do it next time. I'll try not to do it next time. Um, But I used to have a really bad wandering eye when I was younger. And so I wanted to... One of the things that I wanted to see was, does she see me? Does she desire me? I wanted connection. And so I, I was... One of the places that I would do that is every time a car would pass me by, I would look to see if they looked. Mm-hmm. And um, so I was driving, uh, doing a lot of driving, and um, I was also doing some personal development at the time. And they're talking about, you know, repetition and how it changes the mind and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So every time uh, somebody would pass me by, I would go, um, 
she does not belong to me. There is no reason for me to know what the woman in that car looks like. And I would say that a hundred times in <laughs> so many miles. And, but over the course of several days, because I was saying it several hundred times over and over again, I, st- I mean, I had to physically fight the, the um, movement of my neck to turn to the left to look. Right. But over the course of um, you know, several days, I, I didn't have to fight that mm. physically. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and so it sounds like it was a deeper thing in you to want to be somebody more than it was even just a, a sexual thing. I mean, isn't it something, you know, I'm what speak to this, like what, what is it? There's, there has to be something deeper in there that men want. Besides yes. Yes. I want to yeah. speak on that a yeah. little bit because I think what happens is conversation sometimes will lack nuance on porn mm-hmm. um, or, or just yeah. sexual sin to just in sure. general, like, yeah. mm-hmm. like, you know, I talk to people or I think about myself, um, like, well, I don't struggle with porn, but, just any any mm-hmm. any of these sins they usually come from something else typically mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. i think it's really easy just to be like oh, okay let's just blame culture and <laughs> pornography whatever mm-hmm. and just you know it's a billion dollar industry mm-hmm. sure mm-hmm. but they're obviously advertising something else that people want mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and usually what we want is a certain lifestyle and a lot of times what humans want is a person to be connected with mm-hmm. i mean i really think that's what sexual sin really comes from you know, just hearing people talk, you know, a lot of times we're not even aware of um, why we may sin. It takes a lot of deep reflection, maybe some therapy. I've done a lot of therapy. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, a lot of counseling. Have great insurance, so it's possible. <laughs> but a lot of times I think this comes from just wanting to, uh, to you're, you feel like you're missing something a lot of times. Um, maybe... Maybe it is the fact that maybe you're in a marriage or, you know, and you're and you're sexually active, but maybe you don't feel like you're getting something you want out of that, mm-hmm. which is selfish, but mm-hmm. it's a real feeling that people have. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe it's like, maybe you feel lonely and you feel like this is replacing because we do put right. sex on a pedestal. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, for, for, I mean, humans, uh, the, if you do any case study on any human mm-hmm. or just you know, go look at someone in the Bible, like, mm-hmm. like David, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know, this this need to like um, feel like uh, what's the word I'm thinking of approved of. Mm-hmm. I think sex I think sex mm-hmm. does that a lot of times. Yeah. You know, yeah, for yeah. I mean, whether it's releases oxytocin, which connects yeah, you with it somebody. connects that yeah. whole thing. And that's the point. I mean, we were made that way, mm-hmm. yeah. right? Yeah. But because of sin, because humans are broken, because of our um, a bunch of reasons are depravity for the Calvinist out there. Um, <laughs> we, 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 we've taken these beautiful things and we, and we twist them and, and they become evil. But a lot of times they don't come out of evil reasonings. A lot of times yeah. they come from these things that are being yeah. unmet needs. Right. You know? right. I, I think um, yeah, there's also another contributing factor, just like you say, about um, wanting connection and intimacy also, uh, there's a darker factor, which is uh, the need for control, the desire for control. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. what porn offers is the ability to engage in sexual fantasy, sexual activity, mm-hmm. entirely on your own terms. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, any, well. any time, yeah. any place. No challenge. No challenge. <laughs> Yeah, she's never gonna say no. Whatever mm-hmm. you say goes. Whatever right. you say mm-hmm. goes. Anything you want. Yep. Right. Whenever, 
whenever, wherever you want, mm -hmm. you can have it. Mm -hmm. And they're going to portray like they like it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You are affirmed in this. Yeah. You're validated. But then deep inside you know that's That's fake. wrong. Right. If it's you, not real. Yeah. Right. Do that in front of somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. It's not okay. Yeah. <laughs> you talked about seeking validation, affirmation, control. Those all circle around a worship issue, I think. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, I tell people all the time when they ask me, I'm like, bro, you're going to worship something. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. this, it's easier. Well, it, it, mm -hmm. yeah, it's easy because it's right there. It's 100% yeah. control. But you were saying, you know, there's supposed to be, an, we are designed to want intimacy. You yeah. know? We are. And we, we, we heard sermons on this. We're, we're, it's, it's meant to be a worshipful experience. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. We, but in the confines yeah. Of a marriage, yeah, not marriage. a fire that's out of control. Right. right. Yeah. So uh, let's let's go back because you were talking about therapy a little bit and about kind of where this stems from. So like as men, what were you taught? How were you taught to deal with your feelings? You know, we um, taught. <laughs> right. <laughs> I feel like anger is mainly the only thing that's acceptable for a lot of men to, mm -hmm. to display as far yep. as feelings go. Um, just share some of your experiences there. Growing up, um, my dad would rule with an iron fist and um, if you did wrong he would whoop you and he'd whoop the daylights out of you and then you go to your room and you figure it out mm -hmm. and <laughs> you can do whatever not whatever you want I'm not crazy actually as soon as I thought about that whatever you want you will be quiet and then you can have all the feelings you want but you're going to be in there and when you come out you're going to act like nothing happened there's no readdressing, and there's mm -hmm. a lot of things that I've implemented because I know mm -hmm. how destructive that is. Mm -hmm. yeah. But and it's probably the way his dad did it, and you know. Oh yeah, his dad was absent. Mm -hmm. um, he was raised by his grandmother because his mm -hmm. mother died when he was twelve. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot that I can understand and have compassion for and yeah. forgiveness for sure. because of I know his background yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. But um, my mom would allow me to share my feelings and whatnot and validate me. And I, even though my dad was the way he was, I knew it was out of love. And I knew it was because he didn't want me to turn out yeah. a certain way. Yeah, my dad was, uh, my dad's dad was an alcoholic and left when he was eight. <clears throat> so my dad became the man of the family and um, was raised by his, by my, my grandma, of course. But mm -hmm. um, he, he, he's, first of all, he, he says that he could be an alcoholic, like physically it's passed on, um, but he's never engaged in in that he said he would not allow his children to have that uh, to be raised the way he was and uh, and so my brothers and I have never struggled with alcohol at all it's been really interesting I, I kind of it's I believe it's that whole concept of the the sins of the father being passed to the children up to the seventh generation but um, I believe that's got a genetic aspect to it and that he cut that off mm -hmm. by his decision anyway um, so I give him tremendous honor for that and in his raising of us, I, I feel that we, you know, I can't remember any time that we were not allowed to express or anything like that. He wasn't always great at it or, mm -hmm. or anything. Of modeling but, it, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I, I don't think that we were taught specifically how to deal with emotions and stuff, but it... And women aren't really even taught that to the degree that they need to right. be, but, mm -hmm. but it seems like men are sometimes shamed for right. expressing... Yeah, and we, were ne <laughs> we never had any of that. Yeah. Um, 
to, to the degree that I, I mean, I have no problem crying when I watch Anna Green Gables. Because, <laughs> and, you know, Matthew yeah. Cuthbert dies and stuff like that. I mean, I, every single time I watch that movie, I cry in that part. So, awesome. Good uh, thing you have girls, too. <laughs> yeah. uh, so anyway, I, I, I don't think it was specifically taught, and maybe he modeled it, but I don't think I've ever seen my dad cry. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was never you know, made fun of, or mm-hmm. we were never put down for it, or anything mm-hmm. like that. So right. I was extremely blessed in my family mm-hmm. to, my, to have my parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think for myself here. Uh, wow, we have some similarities, Josh and mm-hmm. Ben. Because my father's mother died at a, I think he was like 14, mm-hmm. um, and was raised by his grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um and my parents grew up just after desegregation, like Alabama. So, mm. you know, um, and were uh, very, very poor, very poor. Uh, that's why my parents joined the military for to get out of that town, middle of nowhere, Alabama. And I, my, there's my, I was talking to my dad years ago before he passed, sort of about, you know, sort of how he really just didn't realize that he couldn't deal with some of his emotions at times. Mm the way he really wanted to and said he was really proud of our us for the way my mom raised us and being able to express our emotions a little bit better. Mm. But even then, I like I look back, my, I wasn't very good at it. And I don't think my parents taught me that per se, mm-hmm. but my friends and culture reinforced it over and over and over. Mm. Right. I mean, for those who can't see, I have a shirt of Tupac on, right? <laughs> like Tupac to me is a, like the American archetype of a man, right? Mm-hmm. Now, some people may think, oh, that's a little too far about John Wayne. No, he mm-hmm. loves violence, which is something <laughs> men are taught over and over and over. Mm-hmm. He conquers a bunch of women, yeah. and he has lots of money. That's <laughs> yeah, as American go. as it gets, you know? And, <laughs> and you're taught and reinforced these things over and over and over. And Because mm-hmm. I grew up as a teenager from like 2000 and 2007, mm-hmm. you know? So that's the mm-hmm. era of my growing up as a teen. And during that time, and you just look at the music at the time, especially rap music in general, which is mostly what I listen to. But even rock music was like, get the girls. And, you know, be super tough Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, you know, be bogadocious and show off and be best at sports, you know, Mm -hmm. and those things had a huge impact on me. And even though my mom, who um, never enforced any of that stuff in me at all, Mm -hmm. that was reinforced constantly because of pop culture, because music I was listening to, things like that. Mm -hmm. And like, I remember one time I met a friend who would always be like, I love you, bro. I'd be like... Bro, that's gay. Like, <laughs> that's yeah. dumb. Like, yeah. like yeah. kids will we talk like that, yeah. you know, as kids. And yeah. today, if you said that, people would be like, what is wrong with you, right? right. Yeah. And so it took me getting, like, one, meeting other men who weren't raised that way. Mm-hmm. Like, I can say I love you to a, a man. I can hug mm-hmm. men. I couldn't be, like, my friend, right. he would hug me. Yeah. That was yeah. the most uncomfortable thing ever in oh. my life. I was like, <laughs> yeah, man, I love you too. Like, it just wasn't, for a lot of people... Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of men weren't taught that. But I do see this generation, a lot of men my age who are now fathers. Mm-hmm. I have to say I'm really hopeful of this generation for people my age with kids. Because right. I do see a difference. Me and my friend were talking about that. He's the same age as me. And he, you know, he, he his kids are really good at expressing their emotions. Even though he was raised with a dad who was very tough and, yeah. you know, that way. So right. I'm hopeful what I see in some of the changes in the culture for men and women because I think because we are learning to be more gentle with each other as a culture. Not always, yeah. not perfectly, but uh, I think that's been talked about more yeah. and more. Well, thanks so much for listening. 
I, I hope you got a chance to listen to the female version of this same discussion. If you haven't, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that. And, you know, we've been having so much fun having these conversations. I hope you're getting as much out of this as we are. And maybe you'll be able to develop some of your own brave conversations and a community around some of these brave conversations. I also really hope that you can connect with us on either my Facebook page, Lee Sloan Facebook, or um, at LeeSloan.com, my website. And we really look forward to you joining us next time for some more brave conversations. Mm-hmm.